excellent. Well, I want to first of all say that we're starting a new series called Icebreakers. And before we get too far into that, I do want to welcome all the fathers who are here today. Thank you guys for coming on your day. You're here. And so there's a lot of places you could have been this morning. I'm sure some of you are thinking about them right now. But I am just so, so glad that you guys chose to be here this morning and want to just say happy, happy Father's Day. I hope you guys have the best day today. And for all of those of you who are guests here as well, even if you're not a father or you're a mother, we're just glad that you guys came here today. So we want to welcome you guests. Thank you for being here. Uh, This is actually my dad and mom. This was on my wedding day. And so I want to show you. They're here today. So I want to thank my mom and dad, John and Patty Boyer, for being here. Yeah. And uh, my dad is such a great guy. So I just want to lift him up for a second because I am so grateful. I was so lucky to have a dad like this guy. This guy is awesome. He sat through baseball games, soccer games, took me to swimming, water polo, uh, sat on the beach and watched me surf and taught me how to scuba dive. He taught me how to weld fences and fix cars. And uh, I just, he, he took me into Tiger Scouts, Boy Scouts, Cubs, uh, Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, uh, Indian Guides. He took me canoeing, boating, and I just, I'm so grateful for my dad. And I was thinking about him the other night when I was going to do this lesson. I just wanted to say all the ways that I'm grateful for him. And the thing that stands out most to me is when he would say to me, no matter what happens, no matter where you are, no matter anything, I will always be there for you. And... Yeah, and I, I, don't, I don't feel like my dad had that in his life. He didn't have someone who did that for him. And so I'm just really grateful for you, Dad. I love you a lot. Thank you. Wow, okay, Dad, grateful for you. Okay, that's a great icebreaker, okay? Just break the ice, get it going there. Uh, Father's Day, a little meaningful for me. I have three children, and so I am a father myself. And great icebreakers are things that help get people to connect with one another. Icebreakers are something that we utilize to get to know each other. They, they facilitate a connection. And I've led junior high ministry, I've been in high school ministry, and now I'm in college ministry. My wife and I, Viviana, and I, we lead the, the college students here. And so we really should be experts. I think we're learning a lot in this area, but we've done a lot of them. We've done a lot of icebreakers over the years, and uh, they're fun. There's all sorts of styles and types. But an example of like a verbal icebreaker would be something like, hey, who's your favorite superhero? Anybody see Superman? Okay, yeah, we're not doing the icebreaker right now, but an example would be that we'd say, who's your favorite superhero? Talk to the person next to you. You know what I mean? And, and we would like ask, that's an icebreaker. Okay, uh, another good one might be, uh, what do you do for a living? And that for most of us will get it going unless you're a minister. And then it shuts down conversation and they are like, what have I said to this guy in the last 30 minutes that I need to like think through? Uh, so that's a, an example of a borderline. If it depends if you're a minister, but there's also bad icebreakers. How about, uh, how much do you weigh? Is that a good icebreaker? <laughs> Hi, how much do you weigh? Ask the person next to you how much you weigh. You know, uh, unless you're like a buff guy and you're like in the gymnasium or like a football linebacker or something, you know, over here like Jacob and some of our other teen football players, they're, they're fired up about that question maybe. Or how about, uh, how about you? Would you guys like this one? How old are you? Is that a good one? How old are you? You know, great icebreaker. No, those are not good icebreakers. But, you know, the problem is, is that in Christianity, we have, as a culture, typically been more ice makers than ice breakers. 
we have done a lot of ice making, but not broken the ice. So we're going to be looking at this guy, Paul. Okay. So Paul, he used to be a Jew. Okay. He was like an excellent Jew killing Christians. He was like single-handedly, single-handedly trying to disarm everything Jesus did. Okay. And then God's like, okay, we need that guy because he's going to do great things. So this guy ends up writing most of our New Testament in the Bible, what we have. And so Paul is an awesome guy and he's writing to a church. And another word for church, the word they use in Greek is ekklesia or ekklesia. And so the ekklesia, what a cool word for church. I'm not going to church today. I'm going to ekklesia. You know what I mean? I'm going to, we're part of the ekklesia. And so ekklesia is actually like, you know, a movement. It's like a in, in the army, like a troop of soldiers, a group of soldiers would be an ecclesia. So today it's not a place, it's not a time, we're the ecclesia, we're people who are on a mission. So he's writing to these young ecclesias, okay? And in, the, in this letter he writes to a young church, Colossians, he writes and, and he tells them, he gives them instruction and you're gonna see what he says here for them. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So right here, he starts giving instruction. And I love how practical these letters are that he writes. He says, this is what you, like this small group of Christians, a small group, like in a house somewhere, they're there and they read this letter. He's like, hey guys, I need you guys to pray. Okay, and be watchful, devote yourselves to prayer. And pray for us. Here's what I want you to pray for me. Pray for me that God is going to open a door for our message. So that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So the prayer is that he wants to get the message out there. He wants other people to hear about it. Those who are not inside the faith, he wants to bring them in. And look what it says here. He says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, what he says here is he's like, we're going to pray to God that we can, you know, make the most of every opportunity. And we're going to get out there and we're going to proclaim the message. We're going to help other people. So he has this outward focus to change other people that are outside the faith. And he says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. So I'm gonna tell you right here today, if you're a guest and you're here for the first time or you're not a Christian, or maybe you are a Christian, but you're not a member here or you don't believe in the Bible, our goal is to go influence other people outside. So that's our secret agenda. And so I just wanna put that out there. And that's like the bottom line of like what, you know, Paul's going through here. He's like, let's pray to God that God's gonna open a door and we're gonna proclaim the message of Christ and we're gonna help influence other people. And then he says, he gives them instruction and says, be wise in the way you act towards outsider. There is, he's giving a direct instruction for them to do something, to, to give thought to, to consider and evaluate the way that you present yourself to people who are not inside the faith, who are not insiders. And so outsiders, insiders, this is a little awkward, this terminology, we're like, whoa, dude, like I think like most of us here, we don't actually use the outsider, insider terminology. Might make us feel uncomfortable and I don't think that we necessarily should or need to. But here's the thing is I share my faith with people on campus. Like I go and and try to help them. I try to influence them. I try to proclaim the message and invite them to church. And many people are self-identifying 
They're like, hey, it's great to meet you. Oh, no, sorry. I don't want to go to your Bible discussion. I'm atheist or I'm an agnostic or I'm some other faith. They say whatever they are. They're self-proclaiming in what they are. And they've already said, hey, I'm an outsider. No, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm like, well, guess what? Um, I'm not in pursuit of insiders. So I'm actually here. It's great to meet you. I'm glad that you've self-identified as an outsider. That's perfect. You know what I mean? Let's sit down and have a conversation about what that means. And so um, the, the Bible tells us to be wise in the way, the way we act towards outsiders. When I came in for the first time to church, I felt like an outsider. There's people sitting in here today who, whether you like it or not, whether you've tried to be, they automatically will feel like outsiders. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know these songs. I've never been here. I feel awkward. There are people here today who feel like outsiders already. And it's not necessarily our fault, your fault, but the Bible tells us, Paul says, Paul says, be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Okay, so there's something that we need to do in our presentation. It's just not one way, like, oh yeah, it's just truth. It's just, this is how it is. No, there's something that we need to adjust, consider, and evaluate in our approach to people to try to help them. And he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, there's one word here that I want to focus in. We're going to key in, in on this one word. And I think this is a word that I often have overlooked. I feel like this is a word that when you're reading this, it doesn't necessarily pop out at you where you're like, oh, yeah, that one. It's the word conversation. The word conversation. He didn't say a lot of it. When you're preaching, he didn't say when you speak at people or when you communicate. He's saying, let your conversation, there's a dialogue. What is a conversation? Conversations are oftentimes started and never ended, right? In a conversation, there's agreements that happen. There's disagreements that happen. But every intimate relationship we have is based upon conversation. And without conversation, we cannot have those intimate relationships, Our relationship with God is based on a conversation. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the principle of connection that I wanna communicate to you guys today. This is the one thing that I want you guys to walk away from that we see Paul is communicating here is this principle of connection. Conversation is the key to connection. Conversation is the key to connection. And I know many of us here are interested in getting married, okay? Is there, is there anybody in here? I, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. That would be an awkward, bad icebreaker, okay? But I think that there are people in here who are interested in getting married. If you wanna get married, guess what? There's gonna have to be a lot of conversation before you get married, okay? And all the married brothers go, uh-huh, that's right, dude. You don't even know. You don't even know. Hey, guess what? Guys, if you wanna stay married, it requires a lot of conversation, If you want to get married, the key to it is conversation is the key to connection. If you want to stay married, conversation is the key to connection. Marriages that are in trouble, if you grew up in a household with uh, parents who had like a distant relationship, there's one or more individuals have leaned away from this key of connection, which is conversation. That one or more individuals in the marriage have leaned out of conversation, that there was no more conversation. As a parent, we discipline our kids. 
And uh, parents know that this is, this is one of the most difficult jobs that we've given, been given in our lives. For me, it, it's just, it's constant, it, it's, it's intense. We don't wanna do it, but we have to do it. Sometimes we have to get angry. We, we control, try to control our anger and change. We have to apologize to our kids. Discipline is so hard, but discipline is not appropriately ministered without conversation. When I discipline my daughters, they're only five years old. And when things go bad and, and it just goes crazy, you're like, we're going to the park. And the next thing we know, we're going back to the car. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I have to sit down and have a big debriefing. There has to be after discipline, big debriefing. And you sit down and then you're laying down with them and you're talking and you have to tell them how special they are. And there has to be, we have to regain this connection that we have and it happens through conversation. So discipline without conversation, it really, it falls flat. And these conversations I'm having with my children right now, they're ongoing. They're not, the conversations are oftentimes started but never ended, okay? Like with my kids, I'm trying to influence them to become Christians at some point, to have faith, but that's not a one-time conversation. My kids are asking, they're five. They're asking me hard questions. Who is God? What's God like? What's heaven like? Who is Satan? Where is he? Should I be scared right now? You know what I mean? And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, these are ongoing conversations that I have with my children and they're not over. I'm sure these conversations, when we start bringing up sexual morality, okay, they're gonna start, we're gonna have these open-ended conversations. We're gonna start a conversation and it's gonna keep going. It's a journey that we're gonna continue to go on. So I'm trying to influence my children. Maybe as, as a teen in here today, I thought of some of the teens and, and, and us, uh, the rest of us who are not teens that are grown up, we think of our parents' relationships. Was there ever a time where you felt like your parents were not willing to lean in to a conversation that you wanted to have? And, and it caused a distance and a rift in your relationship. And every intimate relationship, every intimate relationship was built on the shoulders of conversation. So we, we all need to embrace this principle that conversation is the key to connection. But there is a problem. And that problem is that we typically tend to be ice makers, not ice breakers. Instead of being people who lean in and embrace the tension of conversation in a positive way, we tend to produce confrontation. And we become people who build ice around people's hearts instead of breaking it away. You know, if I was to write it, because I am a conflict enjoyer, okay? I don't know, any other conflict enjoyers in the room? I like to be in conflict. My family, we just like to go back and forth. My friends, we go back and forth. When I see someone in a, in a movie portrayed as someone who kind of just likes to push the buttons, I'm like, dude, I, I kind of like that guy. I mean, I, you know, I would like to sit down and talk to him maybe, you know? If I was to rewrite or, or you know, this is what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, let your confrontation be always full of salt and seasoned with grace. Okay, it didn't say that. But, I mean, if you guys think about it, if those of us who are older Christians, I want to talk to the older Christians in here today, and if you're a guest or, or a teen and, you know, you haven't yet followed Jesus, listen, the older Christians, does this sound more like us or did the other way sound more like us? Which one sounds more like the way that we have been typically raised? Let your conversation be full of grace and seasoned with salt or let your confrontation be full of salt and seasoned with grace. Okay, we, we oftentimes will be in a Bible study, we're like, let's sprinkle a little Jesus in there. We'll sprinkle a little like you're forgiven in there. But oftentimes we just go to the salt. We just go to the truth 
but he wants us to have conversations. Let your conversation be filled up with grace and seasoned with salt. Not the other way around. Not when it's full of all truth, all truth. We need to be ice breakers, not ice makers. You know, there's this one time where, uh, how many of you were here when this church used to own a property that was enormous and it was down in a ravine somewhere? Okay. Right. Okay. So you guys were all here. You guys know what I'm talking about. For the rest of you guys, here in San Dimas, they owned a property way back. This is 20 years ago and they sold it, I don't know, 10 years ago. And uh, my wife and I have been here for about six years. And so 10 years ago, I was in college ministry and we came up to that property for a dance. And uh, I was up there and I was, I had become a Christian. I was trying to be good hearted, you know, encourage my, you know, these women who were trying to follow Jesus also. And, and we call them our sisters. Okay. So encourage my sister and take her on a date. So at the dance, I thought, okay, let's go out and pray. So we were outside and there's people close to the building and we kind of started wandering off because there's water features and stuff like that. And you're like walking down and praying so inspiring I'm down there just to be inspired and, and, you know, love God and pray to him. And someone, while they're driving away in their good heart intention, saw me and they were like, wow, they're getting far away from the crowd. You know what? I'm going to say something. They roll down the window. They're like, hey, you guys, what are you doing over there? What are you doing? You know what? You need to get back over there. Get back over to the dance right now. This is like someone rolling down their window of their SUV driving by. And they kept going. They didn't stop or anything. So I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there and we're praying and I'm just getting spiritual, you know. And this guy walks up and or drives by and he's like, hey, what are you doing over there? I'm like, hey, we're praying over here, okay? We're praying. You see, we're praying. We're getting close to God. You should do it, all right? You need to go pray, all right? You know, that guy, like, wasn't exactly an icebreaker, okay? I didn't walk away from that conversation, like, a little more spiritual. But you know who is the king of it? Is Jesus. Jesus is the king of being an icebreaker. He's the master. He's, the, he, he's just amazing. And so for, the, for you guys who are, you know, not into Jesus yet, listen. Jesus is the master of this. And all the people who are irreligious, all the people who are skeptical, all the people who are huge sinners, they were like, they loved Jesus and they leaned into Jesus. And he meets this guy named Zacchaeus because Jesus was on his way into Jericho and he talks. And, and as he's going in, tons of people around him. And there's this guy, Zacchaeus, that we're gonna read about right now. And Zac was a tax collector. Tax collectors were in a category of their own as far as skeptical and sinner, okay? They were like worse than the prostitute. They were, they were worse than the quote-unquote sinner. They were the tax collector. And the tax collector is like an extortionist. They work for the Roman government. And they're like, you know, I don't know if I ask you, how do you guys feel about the IRS? Okay, no, I'm, they're not that bad. I'm a, they're not in that category. But, you know, if you ask, I'm sure most of us have a little animosity towards taxes and maybe towards paying taxes, some of us in here. But this is like, these guys are extortionists that live, live in your town and they were Jewish, some of them. Like this guy was Jewish, okay? And he was considered a traitor, like someone who left the team because he was Jewish and he went to work for the Roman government. And so he's working for the Roman government and collecting taxes. Jesus is coming into that town, but nobody likes Zacchaeus. And so he keeps his distance from the crowd. He doesn't want to even be in the crowd. He separates himself from the crowd 
when Jesus comes in. You're going to see what he does here. Check this out. Jesus entered Jericho and, there was, and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief, a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, was as if he did not know. He did not know Jesus. He did not have a relationship with Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. So here, Zacchaeus, this total sinner, he's interested. He wants to know who Jesus is, but he doesn't want to get in the crowd. And he was a short man and he didn't want to get in there. So there's obstacles. So he ran ahead on the the road where Jesus was going and he saw, okay, I'm going to climb up in this tree. He climbs up in this tree. Jesus gets to the spot. He looks up and says, hey, dude, what's up? How you doing? Hey, dude, come down. Come over here. Can I hang out with you? Do you want to hang out with me? He engaged him. I mean, Jesus was the man. Jesus had no sin at all. Jesus could have been like, dude, hey, Zacchaeus, you got a lot of problems up there. That's why you're sitting in the tree because you got issues, dude. See, you sitting in the tree right there is just a symptom of what's going on in your life, dude. You know what I mean? Like, let me show you a scripture, okay? He could have said, look, Zacchaeus, you got issues. That's why you're up there. But he didn't do that. He walked up and said, hey, Zacchaeus, what's up, bro? You want to hang out with me? Can I stay with you? Can I stay with you? All the irreligious and the sinners, they flocked to Jesus. You know, if you're at all in here skeptical today or you haven't studied the Bible yet to follow Jesus, listen, when people got to know Jesus, Jesus was not an ice maker. He was an ice breaker. So that's what we need to be. We need to be ice breakers, not ice makers. You know, Jesus, when he went up to Zacchaeus and said all these things, there's a lot of things he could have said. But he came up and he just started to chip away at it. You know, he started to chip away at it. And Jesus constantly leveraged and leaned into the conversation. He utilized the conversation. He wasn't afraid of the tension that was going to happen when all the people began to mutter and say, oh, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. What's this guy doing, Jesus? But instead, he leaned into the conversation. He would have conversations with people, and you see it over and over again that Jesus, he was not afraid. He was not worried about what other people think. He would sit down and talk with a woman at the well, even if she was a sinner. And he would lean into conversation. And as a result, he would pull out the heart from the ice. He would break the ice away from the heart. You know, this is the key to unlock people's heart, is conversation. It's the key. Look what ends up happening to Zacchaeus afterwards. Zacchaeus stood up. And he said, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. 
And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's here at Lighthouse Church of Christ, we wanna seek and save the lost. What a great thing that Jesus could have said to this guy. Salvation has come to this house. I hope salvation can come to this house as well. I hope salvation can come to your house. But it's gonna require that you lean into the tension of conversation because conversation is the key to connection. And on both sides, it can't, one part can't lean away. You don't have one-sided conversations. That's talking at someone. They have to be two-sided dialogues. So if you're an outsider in here today, I wanna tell you that if you're an outsider, you might be an outsider because you met someone like me, okay? You met me or you met someone like me that enjoys conflict, that you met, you didn't meet someone like Jesus who helped you to lean into the conversation. And so if you're outside you're here today, I wanna let you know that if you met Jesus, if Jesus was standing here today and presenting this information, you would be leaning in. He wouldn't be building ice around your heart if you're an outsider here today. And I wanna tell, I wanna ask you to lean into the conversation about your faith, to lean into a conversation about the Bible, to lean into a conversation about your relationships. If you're, if you're an insider here today, I wanna tell you guys that there's nothing more important that we could be doing. Right now, it's, it's way too important for you to get this. I need you guys to get this. You know who's relying on you? The next generation. The teens are relying on you. The campus students are relying on you. Those down in Kids Kingdom, they're relying on you. My children are relying on you. It's way, way too important for us to not understand that we need to grasp the principle that conversation is the key to connection. We need to be able to lean into the conversation when there's problems, when there's doubts, when there's sin, and we need to be filled with grace filled up with grace and seasoned with salt. So to the insider here today, I wanna ask you guys and challenge you guys. I wanna ask you to avoid confrontations, projects and agendas for this week. I want you to avoid it. Now, this is like fasting. For me, this is like fasting right now. I'm like, for those of you who are outsiders, that means like abstaining from, like not practicing something or eating something. Like to not be on a, I'm always doing projects and like people can feel like projects. People feel like projects when you're very confrontational and full of salt and not full of grace. So we wanna lean into the conversations and not make people feel like they're projects, not make people feel like we have an agenda. We wanna avoid the conversations this week and we wanna practice this conversation is the key to connection. Again, if you're a guest here today, I wanna ask you guys, if you wanna study the Bible, we're open to studying the Bible. For all of us here today, It's Father's Day. Let's lean into conversation with our fathers. But most of all, let's lean into a conversation with our heavenly father, with God. Without conversation, we have no relationship with him. There needs to be a dialogue and a conversation with our heavenly father. I'm gonna pray for you guys right now. And then uh, we're gonna stand up and there'll be a baptism in the back.